everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Impact Podcast. As always, it is great to have you guys with us today. Uh, Phil is stepping in today for Pastor Daniel while he is unavailable. Pastor Phil Nelson is here. Hey, and everybody. We're also, we're also joined by Michael Miller and by Jerry yes. Cook once again. Um, Jerry Cook is still in the States and, um, st- <laughs> and um, still available for us to have a conversation with her each week. So we were very happy to be able to include her whenever we can. Um, and right now she's a missionary to the United States from Malawi. Yeah. Isn't that nice? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So guys, today our chapter of the day is 1 Samuel 24. Um, so it's another good chapter. Last week we got to do David and Goliath. And then um, this week we get to do David and Saul's robe. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, not quite as this exciting, is, but pretty well, much. It's, it's one of those fun ones that you tell the kids too. We've taught this to me kids before. What I love about this chapter is it's one of the best comparisons between Saul and David. It shows yeah. why David is a man after God's own heart. And Saul, once the spirit left him, mm-hmm. uh, was a Saul after, or was a man after his own heart. After Saul. Mm. He was a Saul after He was a heart. Saul after man's David's heart. <laughs> All right. Do you so, think, um, just a question, do you think that Saul was, before the spirit left him, do you think that Saul really was a man after God's heart? Um, because of the disobedience and the, the I don't way think he, so. I don't think so, but there was an anointing on Saul. Mm-hmm. There was an anointing to, as long as he obeyed and was after the ways of the Lord. And there were times where he was, uh, I, I but I don't think that. his heart, I don't think his heart was sold after the Lord. I mean, he didn't even, he didn't even want to be king. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, Samuel said, you don't need a king. Um, but that's, yeah. So and, we that's a good at- point, Jerry. Um, We look at today's world and um, especially where I come from in Malawi, um, there's a lot of people that I I believe they have the anointing of God. Like they, you can tell by when they obey, God uses them in a mighty way. Um, But on the flip side, they have, they're after their own heart um, when it comes to like um, maybe power, money or decisions that they make isn't always after God's heart, but it's more for themselves. So that's why I asked that because we, I tend to see a, that happen sometimes where we have a man that's anointed, but maybe he's after his own heart versus God's heart. Yeah. Well, and also just as people change for the better, people can change for the worse. I mean, I don't know if we really know where his heart was at the beginning, but we see where his heart is at the end. And I think that's a, another lesson that we can learn too is that he definitely didn't continue to follow God's heart. Well, we're getting into this discussion early. Come on, y'all. Yeah. 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 Uh, Daniel said, Michael, you are the context man for today. Yeah. I like to imagine him like a superhero with a C on his chest. Michael is context man. So Michael, please give us some context uh, before we get into the reading of today's chapter. Sure. Um, Well, so our last, our last, um, time together we we saw the famous story of david and goliath um and things kind of go downhill for saul um from that point i mean really what we're what we're experiencing in this first you know part of samuel is the rise and fall of of king saul so we see how things rise and how how he's called and he's anointed and things go well for a season and but things start to really fall off for him and um, so, so both, you know, Saul, he, he's in war, he's at war, Israel is at war with the Philistines, and uh, David starts to rise. God, or um, Saul um, appoints David as like a commander in his army, and women are singing songs about David, and Saul is getting jealous, and, um, you know, they're, they're winning this war, but Saul has lost the, the favor of God, and he's lost the favor uh, of the people, and so we're watching the shift happen. Go figure, shift, right, our, our series. But we're watching this shift in, in both David and in Saul. David is on the rise, and, and Saul is in decline. And so here we get into um, to uh, chapter 24. And, and, and as Phil mentioned um, a few, well, before our podcast, but, you know, on Facebook Live, um, we're really starting to see the difference between David and Saul. It's really going to be apparent in this chapter. 
Cool. Thank you, Michael. Um, so let's go ahead and get into today's chapter. We'll jump right to it today. Um, so this is 1 Samuel 24 from the Dwell app. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, David is in the desert of En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 able young men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. He came to the sheepfolds along the way. A cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterwards, David was conscience-stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. Then David went out of the cave and called out to Saul, My lord, the king. When Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. He said to Saul, Why do you listen when men say, David is bent on harming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord gave you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lay my hand on my Lord because he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe but did not kill you. See that there is nothing in my hand to indicate that I am guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me, but my hand will not touch you. As the old saying goes, from evildoers come evil deeds, so my hand will not touch you. Against whom has the king of Israel come out? Who are you pursuing? A dead dog? A flea? May the Lord be our judge and decide between us. May he consider my cause and uphold it. May he vindicate me by delivering me from your hand. When David finished saying this, Saul asked, Is that your voice, David, my son? And he wept aloud. You are more righteous than I, he said. You have treated me well, but I have treated you badly. You have just now told me about the good you did to me. The Lord gave me into your hands, but you did not kill me. When a man finds his enemy, does he let him get away unharmed? May the Lord reward you well for the way you've treated me today. I know that you will surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hands. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will not kill off my descendants or wipe out my name from my father's family. So David gave his oath to Saul. Then Saul returned home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. All right, so that is today's reading of first chapter, first uh, Samuel twenty-four. Um, so once again, Michael, tell us real quick. Um, I think all of us here know, but I want to just make sure that people get the context of what happened and why it's so important that. Um, one, why was David being encouraged to kill Saul? Why did he just cut off his robe, a piece of his robe? And then, and then why was it important that he showed it to him? And why did Saul react that way? So what's going on? Why is David, first of all, hiding in a cave from, from Saul? Sure. Well, <laughs> Saul had been trying to kill David. Uh, I mean, he did it with David in the same room, throwing spears at him. He did that a couple of times. And, um, you know, and we, we've seen with, with um, David and Jonathan how there's kind of a trick going on where David doesn't go to dinner for a few days when, when he's invited to have dinner at the king's house. And, and we had the whole story about Jonathan shooting the arrow and, and warning mm -hmm. David to, to stay away. I mean, 
the bottom line is Saul is after David. And so David, it's, it's an odd thing that David's not retreating. Um, and so some of his men are saying, hey, let's go get him, you know. And so we see here, basically, again, the heart of David, that he still recognizes that though this guy is trying to kill him, at this moment, this is who God has put as his king. So David is obeying God in the face of his own life at this point. So that's really what's happening is, I mean, imagine being on the run and, and you know, you're the person who you serve, the king, your commander, because, I mean, David's a commander for Saul's army. So the guy who's, who he's taking commands from is trying to kill him. Mm-hmm. It's a crazy situation. Yeah. And it's because Saul knows at this point that David is to be king, yeah. correct? Yeah. 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 So I'm sorry. Yes. I, I, yeah. I should have So trying to hold on to that power. No, that's good. Yeah. But trying to hold on to that power in that position. Um, so how smart is it? that he has the chance to kill him and how good of him is it that he has the chance to kill them. But instead of doing that, he thinks, okay, I'm going to cut off a piece of your robe and then I'm going to show you that I had the opportunity to kill you, but I didn't as a way to prove that I have no ill will towards you. And that just completely shifts and changes Saul's perspective towards him. Right. Doesn't that, does that show like how wise he is? I mean, this is kind of a sign that he's going to make a good King. When you can in the moment make good, wise decisions like that, that's a good that's a good sign. Of well, course, he doesn't always make good decisions. Yeah, we right. see in the future. Yeah. <laughs> well, what what was the decision uh, the deciding factor though? I think that's what really shows David's heart. It's not that he just wants to defend his innocence, because if he de- if he really wanted to defend his innocence, the best way to do that is kill him. Sure. And say, look, we got him. You know, he was after me. Um but he said, I'm not going to lay my hand on somebody that the Lord put in office. Mm. Mm. So he was more worried about the consequences mm-hmm. from harming someone that God chose than to defend his innocence. Mm. And it's again, there it is, the difference between Saul and David. Mm. David is always focused on what is going to please the Lord most of the time. Uh, obviously <laughs> we see that when he wants to please himself, he does. Um, no, and Phil, there's a good question I have for you on that. Because we hear that David has like the heart of God, right? As, as we tried to say, and we get all tongue-tied, right? But David has the heart of God. But we see here that David, though he's a great warrior, when we see his heart, that he spares Saul. But we see later that... Um, you know, that, that David continues to be this warrior and he continues to really have battle after battle and kill and kill and kill and kill. And I think there could be some confusion there on what God's heart is. What is David's heart? Uh, you know what I mean? I mean, what do you think? I, I don't have a really good pointed question, but I mean, what do you think about God's heart in comparison to David in this story and like stories later in David's life? You well, let's I mean? just let's just look at David. I mean, he was... He was broken and he was man. He was flesh. They lived in a time in the Old Testament where the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, didn't live in people. It lived in a temple, but then the Spirit would ascend and the Spirit would be upon somebody, but very quickly and easily could that just go. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't just a, we, we did not have an ultimate sacrificial lamb for the forgiveness of all of our sins. And so it goes back to, I I believe, I want to say it's Psalms 19. I could be wrong, but 18 maybe, where Paul, uh, where David says, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O God. Uh, Whenever David pursued his heart and his thoughts to be on God, we see God's heart amplified. Whenever David chooses to put his heart and his thoughts on himself and his own needs and his own pride, we see destruction. And that goes for all of us, y'all. When we're pursuing the things of God, just like um, Jerry said, 
you know, people in Malawi who are really seeking God and chosen by God, when God decides to move through that person, powerful things happen. And so we have a part to play. We're either going to choose our heart and our thoughts to be after God or our heart and our thoughts to be after ourselves or the things of this world. So um, here's a, maybe a life application or an application to this, right? So we don't have people maybe necessarily running to kill us, right? Or maybe we do, and depending in the culture you're at or the country yeah. you're at. Um, but in most cases, we don't have necessarily somebody wanting to kill us. Um, would this also apply um, for maybe that person is trying to harm our name, or maybe they're not doing what's right, not against us, but in general. So with us, um, we could step up and say, you're doing this wrong. We could tell on them to higher powers. We can do whatever it can to eliminate them. However, um, would this kind of be the same aspect we can choose not to do that and we can choose not to defend our name we can choose just to continue to focus on god and do what is right with god yeah you know what jerry <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, i've struggled with this too and I know, it seems like i bring this kind of thing up on every podcast yeah. I, don't, I don't mean but to but it just kind of fits this really applies with facebook because this is something that i've, I've had to do because someone will, will hop on and they'll start arguing and realize I don't have to defend everything. I, I don't have to argue about everything. I don't have to respond to everything. Sometimes I, I've learned that I have to say, you know what? We disagree, but I love you and I hope you have a great day. You know, mm. but sometimes I think we, we get really invested in defending our honor, defending our intelligence, defending our arguments. There's Solomon. We take Sorry. it personally. We take yeah. it personally. But yeah. sometimes, um, I think sometimes, like, if someone isn't doing right, we take it personal because of our love for God. It's sure. like, if they just do what's right, then God would get more glory from that, um, which then brings uh, more trouble. But if we would be able to do it in a wise way of saying, look, I have this against you. You're not doing what's right. But I choose not to display it i'll allow god to take care of whatever you're doing you know with that um, jerry i think i think it's back to like the facebook idea i think conversations like that are best done over a phone call if you have their number or a private message one thing i learned um in the military um you know going through leadership schools is a bad leader will pick someone out in front of others and chew them out in front of others, you know, mm. like, hey, listen here, Joe, come here. You messed this up. You did this wrong. Do some doggone push-ups right now, right? That's a bad leader. A good leader mm. says, hey, uh, Joe, after formation, could you come into my office? I need to talk to you for a second. And then you talk to that soldier one-on-one, -on -one. you know, in leadership, not just in the army. I think that that's a good way to help um, work with people and lead people. Is instead of in Facebook, like, hey, world, this person's messed up. And let me show you how smart I am by correcting them. <laughs> instead, mm. it's wise to, to give them a phone call, see them in person, give them a message. Uh, if, if you feel like you need to out of love, if you if you need to correct, I think correcting is better in private than it is in public. I mean, is, does that make sense, Jerry? I mean, is that what you? Yeah, but some like Saul was actually over David. You yes. know, like he was the king. So sometimes it, maybe we have people that seem to be over, maybe they're not doing what's right. Or as Saul was, he was anointed by God, but uh, doing things after his own heart. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like you have times to point those people out, even to people above them. Or maybe your name is being dragged into the mud and you can choose to stand up and say, you know, defend that. Um, but instead, David here, he didn't defend himself. He just uh, showed him that he could have, but right. he didn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think it's pretty amazing how it broke through to Saul after all these years of chasing after David, yeah. having that opportunity. And I don't, I don't know what it was. I'm not Saul. I can't, I don't, you know, I'm not in his shoes, but 
something about that act and about that moment completely shifted him back and broke that hardness that had been on him forever and made him weep um, because he was speaking to David. So um, what do you guys think about that? Like, what do well, you think caused I, I think, you know, Brent, what's interesting <laughs> too is he has this moment of seeing things for what they are, but then he goes right back right. to his jealousy mm-hmm. and he's going to seek David's life again. Yeah. Like mm. there is some sort of blinder. He is totally tunnel visioned yeah. and he's reminded, oh yeah, you know, David is the chosen one. David spared my life. Uh, I'm forever in debt for, uh, mm. with him. And then all of a sudden, maybe it's weeks, months later, he is back on the killing path yeah. and David spares his life again. Mm. You know what, Phil, mm. when I taught this lesson to the kids, mm. any kids uh, a few months ago now, that's something that I mentioned to them that I, I use this as a message about integrity, about honesty, because honesty isn't just your words. What we see here that Saul says the right words. It seems like he understands, he gets it, he says the right things, but his actions don't follow his words. Correct. So I think that often we could say all the right things, but if our actions don't support our words, we might as well not speak. But yeah. isn't it, it, could it be that Saul was acting out of um, like emotion because he was so happy that David saved his life, but he's still human and he's still in the flesh. So, sure. um, you know, even in the workforce, maybe people are working in an office, maybe they're working on a job and that, that person maybe is being risen to the top and they know that they are doing well. That person that had maybe had the leadership is now being taken down a little bit by little bit. So yeah. the jealousy, the, the strife, the, you know, their flesh rises up. So they know yeah. in their mind that this person is anointed or this person has the gift, but then inside of them, their flesh comes out and their jealousy comes out versus, um, especially if you're in a lost, I mean, a yeah. society that you're dealing with lost people, um, but also in a society that you're dealing with saved people, they do the same thing because we're, we're a flesh. Sure. You know, what's interesting with that. And that goes to Brent's question and uh, tags with what you're saying, Jerry is, um, the, it, it goes back to the difference of David and Saul again. If you read uh, chapter 24 again and you read Saul's response, his response is all surrounding himself. Mm-hmm. It is what is happening to him. Mm-hmm. And so because David spared his life and showed mercy, he is responding Oh my goodness, my life was spared. I am at the mercy of David. So the the only reason he is bowing before David is because David did not kill him. Mm. And so his life, his life, his legacy, look at um, uh, verse 21. It's not saying, please forgive me. It's swear to me, David, that you will not cut off my offspring after me and that you will not destroy my name. Hmm. So he's pleading in mercy after his own benefit and his own gain. And so then when that honeymoon phase of emotions, Jerry, fades, he's now back to himself of what he can gain and what is going to bring the greatest good to Saul's name, not the kingdom of God. Mm Isn't this is crazy? why we need. This is why we need to have a like, recording. You know, it's, instead of having the Bible, we need to hear the. Yeah. We need to hear the. Uh, <laughs> oh, the, the way that like the Saul action, is. Like, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Absolutely. And, it's, it's, um, it's tough to infer. You know, it's it's hard to figure out sometimes the emotion that people were. And the, I think you you brought out some truth there, Phil. And I never really thought of it like that because I hadn't. I have, you know what, being an actor, you, you, you probably thought about like how that would read right? and like what kind of emotion that you would put into that. So that's good. Yeah. Wow. The best, the best actors in the theater and the movie world, they listen and respond. That is acting 101. You're not yeah. repeating lines. You're not going through motions. <clears throat> you're right. listening. And then you're responding from the lens of that character. Yeah. And yeah. Um, uh, Daniel chimed in on uh, Facebook. Who? And uh, Daniel, Pastor Daniel. Who? Who's that guy? 
uh, uh, Daniel Yelverton. Oh, huh. oh, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't yeah. he do drinks? I think he does the drinks. Uh, inside joke that does not have anything to do with alcohol um, at all. Uh, I was but hoping you were going to explain a little bit of that to the listeners. <laughs> I, I, I have to now. Quite a few years ago, uh, we, we all had different tasks for the volunteer Christmas appreciation. And the task that landed on Daniel's plate was to do the drinks. And so he had to do the ice and the iced tea and the water. And now for every event that we do, Daniel does the drinks. So um, <laughs> First Peter uh, 2, uh, verse 21, this is to Jerry's question a while back. Mm-hmm. He said, uh, for this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you may follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. Sound like David a little bit? Mm. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And then he talks about Romans 12. And I think that's a great application about not taking vengeance in your own hands. Mm. And I'm wondering wondering if these um, New Testament writers ever thought of uh, David when they're writing this, because I really do think that David is such, such an Old Testament reflection of Jesus Christ. Not that he's Jesus Christ. He, he had sin. He was human. Sure. He was fully human. He was not God. Um, but uh, he really modeled the life of Christ in many ways, not in the Bathsheba uh, chapter. Uh, just saying. Romans 12, verse, what is it, Daniel? I'm so sorry. Roman, oh, he Romans said, 12, 19 through 19, 21. 21. Yeah, I got uh, it. Yeah, go ahead. So Michael. beloved... Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it's written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. But to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If he's thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And that's exactly what <clears throat> happened to Saul. <clears throat> he, he reaped burning coals on Saul's head. So back <clears throat> to Brent's question, that's exactly what opened <clears throat> his eyes. So, yeah, and the funny thing is, too, though, I mean, he, like you said, he, he asked him, you know, please don't wipe out my family's name after you become king, basically referring to that. He knows David's going to become king, right? So in that moment, if you don't know the context, in that moment, you think, okay, he's finally seeing the light, you know, he's finally softening towards David, and he's saying, okay, you know, please, I know that you're going to be king. When that happens, please do not blot out my family's name from history. But it, if you know the context, it really just shows more deceit, right? Because he's like, oh, please yeah. don't hurt me. Please don't hurt me. And as soon as he gets away, I'm going to kill that dude so I can yep. keep my power. Isn't that crazy? Well, you know, think about yeah. it in, in a military <laughs> setting. Like this is, this is, it's kind of, I mean, they're in war, but they're not technically officially in war against each other. They're still on the same side, but yet you have one that's trying to kill the other. But but the thing is what you have, imagine this, you have David's men, you have Saul's men. Now, right. Saul is caught off guard. It's like he's ambushed at this point because he was already ambushed and released. But now he's like, hey, Saul, you're right. So Saul is mean David. Saul right now probably has no idea where David's men are. He has no idea what David's intentions are. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, for all Saul knows, he is he could be pleading for his life. He could be surrounded mm-hmm. and Saul doesn't know. So that's another thing that, and, and, and like listening to what you're saying, Phil, I, had, I hadn't actually pondered this before, but because I was, I was giving, this is how I am, right? I was giving Saul the benefit of the doubt, <laughs> but, but looking, but looking mm-hmm. at things. Yeah, that, I was that, too. That maybe he was absolutely pleading for his life. Maybe this was emotional. Maybe this was kind of the sneaky kind of thing of trying to, to get away with it, you know? You know, I, and again, this is all, you know, interpretation of, of knowing the heart of sure. what was going on. 
But I really do think that Saul was sincere because look at Saul, the way he acts and why he went with the sacrifice before Samuel got there. Remember in the battle, the Lord said, do not do anything until Samuel comes with the sacrifice. And Saul couldn't wait. He was reacting emotionally. He was impulsive, but he still was sincere to what he felt. And I do believe that he was sincere and you're a better man than I am. And you just saved my life, but please, please have mercy on me (laughs) and my family's name. Again, that doesn't change. His focus is the pride of flesh. And then if you look at it on David's side, you know, for him to humble himself and say, sure, I promise that I won't, you know, that is, I mean, he just have been trying to kill him, but yet he made a (laughs) promise with him and said, you know, basically I've forgiven you. And now I I will promise to do this for you. Ah, that's. And and like Phil said, doesn't that show like the heart of God? Like though we don't deserve anything. Right. God, God gives us a million chances. And know? I was even going to say, I bet you, David, he knew Saul and what he was capable of. He even knew that Saul was going to turn back on him. What do you bet? I mean, mm. Saul's not going to change. He has seen Saul in the good, the bad, and the ugly. <clears throat> I mean, isn't that the truth with people in our lives? You know, they mean for good. But once you start to really learn people, and if they're focused on themselves completely and they're focused on some, you know, they're going to always go back to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the so, Bible? Yeah, I was just going to say, the Bible says, you know, just as a dog returns to his vomit, so does a fool mm-hmm. return to his folly. Um, that's great. Our, so, so poetic, Phil. Thank, thank you. you for that. <laughs> I made it up. <laughs> yeah, somebody, um, you know, somebody once gave me the advice when I was in Malawi um, because. When those people, like, if I was David, I would have been taking that personal, right? Like taking it personal because he was actually going after his life. Um, But somebody gave me advice. um, I think it was about two or three years ago when I I started the seminary. He said, um, remember one thing. If you take anything away from it, know the character of a person. Know the heart, like know what their motives is, know their weaknesses, know their strengths. And then when that person does that, you don't take it personal. You're able to forgive and pray for them because you realize it's not you, right? but it's their weakness. It's their issue. So out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Follows. Yeah. So when that, when that advice was given to me, I said, you're right. Because when somebody lies to you, or speaks harm of you, you know, it's not necessarily you, like, it's not personal to you, but that's their character. So then it allowed me to be able to forgive that person and work with that person and love the person because it's their weakness. It's their character. It's something that's not against me, but it's, it's within them. So then that allows you to not take it personally and serve that person. Yes. And That's, pray yeah. for that person. And, yeah. Because you want God to change that weakness. Right. You want them to change that heart of them. Um, so you can't do it. And by you taking it personal, you can't serve that person the way you need to. You can't love that person the way you need to. But I think David might've been doing that here. He knew what he was going to do. He knew he would probably go and do it again, but he humbled himself and allowed him to say, yeah, I'll do all of that for you. And it's, I believe that's because David wasn't taking things personal. He was, he was acting out of the heart of God. God doesn't take, um, maybe he does, but I'm not sure that he looks at us and says, oh, that's a surprise. She, she, or he did that. And it's against me personally, but he knows that we're sinful fleshly people yet. He loves us. Yeah. And you know what's interesting, too? Daniel uh, chimed in again. He just can't keep away. Uh, We love him dearly. Uh, He said, also, it was very common for new kings to kill their rival descendants so that there would be no competition for the throne. 
But mm. David actually honors Saul's descendants. That goes right back to what you're saying, Jerry. Because mm. mm. he was not, if he was looking out for his own life, throne, kingdom, legacy, he would have taken them out. Mm. Interesting. I think, Jerry, you missed your calling. You should go into ministry. <laughs> I'm just saying. So I have a question for you guys that's been on my mind as we've been talking about this. Because, So, you know, leaving justice up to God, right? So how different do you think the world would look right now if every leader of every nation in the history of the world would have done that? Hmm. It would have this magical be the called peace. I was just going to say it would be the kingdom of God. Yeah, Yeah. because, I mean, I think just to, and this is a tough one for us because we're Americans, but what about 9-11? Yeah. Mm. What do you think would have happened there? How many leaders do you think would have been not reelected because they left it up to God instead of- And would we have went to war? And would we have went to war? You know, that in in the first couple centuries of of Christianity, um, most Christians were actually pacifists. It wasn't until Constantine became the emperor of Rome where Constantine, um, like, basically, it became a Christian empire. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, um, the Romans wouldn't even try to enlist Christians in the army because they, they refused to fight. So, like, the first couple centuries of Christianity, that's, that was the mindset that Christians had. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of folks don't actually don't know that because um, we, we tend to be – some of us tend to be very not pacifistic, I guess, you know, but how politically um, correct of you, Michael. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to say anything, anything mm-hmm. wrong, but yeah, but yeah, that, that's kind of how things started. That was how the, the, the church a long time ago, how they took some of those applications from scripture, but Brent, right or wrong. That's just how, how they, how they began. I was yeah. just going to um, say, oh, go, go ahead, Jerry. You can go ahead. Okay. I was just going to say, Brent, that is, I've, I've never really thought about that. And I think, you know, so often for us, when we think about Jesus returning and the end of all things as we know it, and the new restor, uh, restored kingdom of God coming from heaven into earth, okay? New heavens, new earth. Um, it's so hard to wrap your mind around what that's going to look like mm-hmm. until you start to think in this light. To think about, okay, how do men and women treat each other in the kingdom of God? And yeah. it is this. It, it's this. It's, there's, there, there's peace between everyone. Yeah. God's peace exists and no one is out for themselves. Yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah. And even when you don't, you look at it and not taking things personal, You know, it's able, your mind is able to be at peace. Your heart is at peace. Um, You're allowing, you know, where it says, um, be still, Um, you know, like there's so much scripture that says, God will fight your battles, be silent and let God fight the battle. But if you're taking it personal and you're angry and you're upset about what has been done, you can't do that. Um, Mm. However, but what I have learned is that, when we remain silent, sometimes he asks us to speak, but sometimes he asks us to remain silent and let him fight that battle. Um, in my life, I know over and over he's done that. Um, when I remained quiet, it was like the battle was won in a, a, a better way. Um, mm. It kind of made a stronger point to it because it wasn't a human or person saying anything, but it was literally God revealing things or showing things or fighting the battle. Um, And David, he was willing to allow God to fight the battle. He didn't Mm. find it necessary to fight the battle against Saul. Um, And the same with our lives. Um, We don't need to fight the battles all the time. We need to allow God to fight those battles. Uh Oh, sorry. You know, Jerry, (laughs) that is so good. And, you know, um, I usually don't share this. I mean, if God brings it up, I will. But, you know, for me, this this really hits home for me because all my life since I was a little kid, since I became a peacemaker in a very dysfunctional home, um, ever since I can remember, it was always about um, being understood. 
being mm. understood. I wanted to make sure if there was conflict or how people saw me, I wanted to make sure that they understood that I was a good person and I meant mm. for good and that I'm trying to honor God. And so often I always, I lived for the praise of man because that told me that I was being understood. And so growing up, and I would even say till about five years ago, I struggled. Like the reason I talked so much was so that people would understand where I was coming from. And then when people didn't understand and there was conflict, it was always the resolution was about defending my, myself. It was whatever I was going to say was to defend my innocence, was to defend myself. And God took a battering ram to that. Mm. I mean, I'm not perfect and I'm nowhere near, but I think even Brent and Michael can probably see the change in the last two years um, where I now listen to people not to reply. I try anyways. Usually I'm trying to reply in a way that defends or brings understanding to me. Now it's listening to listen. You're listening to listen from that person, not taking things personally, like you said. Mm -hmm. It's listening from their context, from their platform, from their personal uh, experiences and background from what they're going through and listen in that way. And I had to totally let God rewire me. Um, literally restructure me in order for me to listen, to listen, and to serve others. It still peaks its ugly head, but it, it's, it's transformed me. And I think it's transformed the way we do ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, I, I don't think that I struggle with pleasing people over pleasing God because of, <clears throat> of my position of where I'm at. But you've said something that was really good is that, you know, we want to defend our nature, who we are. Um, We want to defend um, what we are about and our character to let people know that we are serving God and we want what's best. However, there was a time when I was in Malawi that I was doing that very thing. There were things being said that was not even in character of myself. So I wanted to defend that character. And I was in prayer one time. And I was praying like, Lord, I don't want my name to be run through the mud. I don't want my name. I want you to be glorified. And what I felt like he spoke to my heart is, is when we are, when we are of Christ and we are doing what is right and we are walking with him, it isn't our image that is being tarnished. Mm. So if God is allowing that to be happening, then he's not worried about it and he will shine his image through us greater. So when I wow, realized Jerry. that, um, when I you're, realized no, you're, that, Phil, you're right. Maybe she should go into ministry. Man, she's good. <laughs> can, I, can I stop you there, Jerry? Because you say, sure. I mean, I think, I think our listeners need to hone in on that because um, I think there's hidden manna in that that will feed our souls. It's not our image being tarnished when we're out seeking to serve the Lord. And if we're out seeking to serve the Lord, guess who we're serving? His people, other people. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not our image being tarnished. So what I would ask you is, so what is being tarnished? When things, when, when people are coming against you, Mm -hmm. if you're not the one get being tarnished, what is being tarnished then? Is anything being tarnished? Um, what I came to realize is no, um, because God will fight that battle and he will shine through that battle. So I was worried about, uh, so-and-so is saying this, so-and-so and saying this. So what I did was I started seeking the Lord about all of those accusations. And I asked the Lord, are any of these true? Are any of these uh, harming your image and who you are? Because you know, my heart, I want you to reflect through me. And, um, he, I'm going to be honest, every time I seeked him, he would show me what was right or wrong. In many cases, none of them were right, you know, and, but he would show me something that wasn't in his, that I needed to change in myself that wasn't even listed. Um, but what he gave me peace about is when we are of Christ and when we are walking with Christ, um, we are shining his light. Our image is his image because he's created us in God's image and he knows our heart. 
So at that point, he would not allow his image to be tarnished if we are walking with him. So really nothing is being tarnished. That's great. But it's our mind thinking that, oh, our image is being tarnished. This is going to happen. But if we are truly walking with him and those things are not true, we're seeking the Lord and saying, Lord, are these things true? He will take care of it all. There were even times where like somebody had told me um, that I was not loving, that I was doing things um, for myself. And I said, Lord, that's like the opposite of what I'm I'm doing. Like I've moved to Malawi, not for myself, but for your kingdom and for you are. And the one thing is, is I always said, love like Christ. So people see Christ by the way you love. And that day that, that the people were saying that I was praying, walking to the village to work with the orphans. And this lady, she came up to me. Um, she, I was interacting with the children from that village. And um, she said, Napiti, that's my Malawi name. She says, you have a love that is in your hands and it, it just flows out. It just goes. So I was like, the very thing that people were saying and I was worried was tarnishing the image was the very thing that God said, no, nothing's being tarnished. My image is being displayed. Wow. Whoever is listening to that, I mean, (laughs) that, that needs to be written down for people who are struggling with that because Jerry, that that's powerful. I mean, that's anointed right there um, for us to understand that it's not our image that we're to bear. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And so if we think our image is being tarnished, then it's our personal image. And you know what? That image does need to be tarnished. Mm. Would you guys the, have to, wow. Sorry. No, I was just going to say it's the image of Christ. His, his image will never be tarnished. You know, mm. what, what you guys have to know about this is, you know, I know Jerry, right? <laughs> and um, you can see this is real work. You know, sometimes you see stuff on the Internet or, you know, or you listen to a preacher preach. And they're really cool words that they've studied and, yeah. and they, they have these really good messages. But if you know, Jerry, <laughs> I, I have for years loved to pick on Jerry because Jerry will argue with you. I sometimes I have a terrible sense of humor. I just some, sense there's a theme there. You like to pick on anybody <laughs> and everybody. I, I'm, I'm bad. I am terrible. <laughs> and I'm sensitive and I like to be picked on. It's really terrible. So, so the thing is with Jerry is, is, I years ago, I could I would even argue with something that I don't even believe just to get her going for fun. And she would bite and she would argue. So the reason why I'm mentioning this is that you can see in her own life that she's a person that used to be the type that would want to defend her position, to want to defend her honor, that she had to be right. But now you're seeing that that through the Holy Spirit and, and, and how God is working in her that that God is changing her very essence and she's becoming obviously you know a, a very godly person a, a person after his own heart like David so this isn't just fake news <laughs> this yeah. isn't just uh th- this is these aren't just words i just I, the reason why i mentioned that i want you guys to hear what jerry's saying because this is real life application it's not mm-hmm. just some kind of words that she's speaking and yeah. you know what's interesting you said defend honor I think of Christ, how did he defend his father's honor? He died. He laid his life down. He became the servant of all. He humbled himself. He emptied himself. And so with that, do we really have to defend God's honor? Do we have to fight? Like when I was in college, Jerry, I probably was a lot like what Michael said you were. I was, I was, charging the gates of hell, trying to prove other people wrong so that God would be honored. (laughs) You know, I was trying to be the defendant of God. And it's like his image doesn't need to be defended. Mm -mm. And if, if anything, the way we defend his name is we die to ourselves. That's yeah. the way we defend him. Like my Christ dad's cooler he... than your dad. Right? That, that's what this is like. When you try to defend God's honor, my dad's cooler uh, than your dad. Well, and think... even Christ, like Jesus, uh, he asked questions. He didn't get angry. He didn't really defend who he was, you know. And then he was sinless, and he he even died for us, you know. And we think of that, and we think, you know, we want to defend that image of ourself but we don't have to because those things that are not true 
our father defends that and, and, and rejects that. And he can never be, his image cannot be tarnished unless we are purposely after our heart, like Saul. And can I say, can I say this in light of COVID? This is, God has been speaking to my heart the last couple of days. And so you're probably going to hear this, uh, as we go forward in the messages and devotions, yeah, sermon near (laughs) you, but, um, talking about all of this in light of this whole theme of, you know, God's image and it's, it's not going to be tarnished. We don't have to defend his honor. We, we have to die. We have to, what, what I really believe that the Lord has allowed, allowed the church building to be closed so that the real church, his people would Mm -hmm. open up. Yeah. I mean, the church doors need to be closed so that the real church, his people, will start to be the church by being Christ, reflecting the image of Christ. Yeah. I mean, let's open up church, meaning ourselves, and let's start serving one another and not, I mean, what's our focus right now on social media? It's this pandemic, and I'm not speaking down against it. But this is all about conspiracy. It's all about what we don't know. Or the other side of, hey, guys, do what the government says, do this, and beating down other people. And we're focused on why churches can't be opened. We're focused that if Target and Walmart and, and, and liquor stores can be open, why can't the church be open? The church is open. Mm-hmm. It's the kingdom of God and the Holy Spirit living inside of each one of us. If anything, we need to be open now. And it's, I, I just, yeah, sorry. I'll step down. <laughs> a little You're tough good. love. I just, I kick, just think the, a the new awakening is so coming. They, so I agree reality. <laughs> you know, we cannot go back to normal church. We, we cannot. And, and Jerry, when you go back to Malawi, I know things mm-hmm. are different, but you can't go back to your normal either. Mm-mm. I mean, no. things have changed, mm-hmm. I believe, for the better, but we cannot go back. We can't go back. Yeah. So, you know, and that, that doesn't mean, okay, and I, I, I want to help Phil in this one, because that doesn't mean that all these things are good, that God is the master of turning lemons into lemonade. So it doesn't like, it doesn't matter what we think about this season. It doesn't matter whether we agree with the pandemic or whether we agree with the government or we're somewhere in between. God is not by not surprised by any of it. And, and God can take however messed up or however wonderful or whatever you think that it is, God can take it and move. And, and, I, and I agree, Phil, I think that's exactly what God is doing. Yeah. So I'll give you a quote that I read um, out of, I think it was out of a book. Um, it's by John Wesley. It says, so this is my heart once we leave this quarantine, because it's like you can't be open to share the gospel. You do have some opportunities with neighbors and stuff, but you're not free to go. So it says, light yourself on fire with passion and people will come from miles to watch it burn. So oh, let us awesome. uh, in this quarantine. I got to write a song ourselves- about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've heard that several times and it's so true. And it goes full circle, Jerry, to uh, David again. He wasn't worried about his name. He wasn't worried about his needs and his personal needs. He was worried and consumed with the passion of the Lord, his passionate heart after the Lord. And what happened? People, countries, nations came from everywhere to see it burn. Mm -hmm. And I think, honestly, I mean, we've gone for a while now, so we can go ahead and wrap up if you guys are cool with that. But I think. No, um, I don't want this to stop. (laughs) (laughs) As much as it pains me to say, I think the perfect, um, the perfect quote or comment today to finish this up comes from somebody named Daniel Yelverton. Oh, Um, no. Who's that guy? He said, because we're talking about all these different things and every single one of them is a battle, right? Like trying to make sure that to argue that God's name is not tarnished or all these different things. They're all battles. And he said, like what David said to Goliath in 1 Samuel 17, the battle is the Lord's. Mm. Like that's just the perfect, concise way to close this up, I think, for this conversation. Like every battle, it's all the Lord's. So trust in that, have confidence in that, move forward in that. I think that's I think that's kind of a good summary of the conversation that we've had today in a, in a big way. Absolutely. Anybody got anything else then? 
I'm looking at the comments, seeing if we missed anything. Uh, this lady, uh, I think, knows you, Randy, uh, Randy Childress from Alabama. Uh, she uh, wrote in Ephesians 4, 2, and he chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself even before he laid the foundation of the, the world. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be uh, seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. We are all un, all ordained. Uh, may we accept our ordination as ministers of Jesus Christ. We are the church. Yeah. I love that. The, the unstained innocence mm. in theme of everything we've been talking about. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. She goes on to say the church never closes. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. That's it. That's cool. Thank you, Randy. All right, guys. Well, um, let's go ahead and finish up there. Would one of you guys pray for us today to close us up, please? Since I normally dime out um, Daniel to um, to give the context, I'll dime out uh, Jerry to pray for us. <laughs> <laughs> I second that. I second that. <laughs> How did All I in know? favor. I... All in favor. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Michael. <laughs> All right, let us pray. Um, dear heavenly father lord god um you are perfect you are holy um you've created us in your image you've created us with a name before we are born lord god and we are your children so lord god first uh, forgive me where i fail you lord god and i just pray um that i can glorify your name lord god i know that we cannot do it in our own power we are unworthy but with christ and with the spirit we're able to glorify your name i pray each person listening lord god and each person on this um, podcast lord god i pray that you will light a fire in them lord god that that fire will burn so brightly lord god that your name will go among nations and uh, cities and um, subdivisions and Lord God, and even with our neighbors, Lord God, I pray your name is proclaimed. I pray that your goodness is proclaimed. I pray, Lord God, that we reflect your image and who you are, Lord God, but knowing that when, um, well, there's a time to be silent. There's a time to speak Lord God. And I pray that you, the spirit of God overwhelms us so much Lord God, that we speak when you say, speak, we go when you say, go, and we do what you say, Lord God, I pray, Lord God, um, as Isaiah, that you will make us a light into the nations, that your salvation will made known to the ends of the earth, Lord God. We have the, the ends of the earth in Blanchester, Lord God. We have different nations in Blanchester. We have different nations all over this city, Lord God. But I pray that uh, through our growth in your word and in, with the spirit, Lord God, that you will make us a light. When people see us, we will be different, Lord God. I pray when people see us, they will see you, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that we hear people and we show them love in a way that they need, Lord God. I pray that you continue to reveal yourself through us to us, Lord God. Thank you for doing overly abundantly more, Lord God. Thank you for being a God who hears us, Lord God, and not only hears us, but he acts. Lord God, thank you for allowing us to walk in you. Thank you for allowing us to proclaim your name and who you are. Lord God, and thank you for giving us experiences and seeing you in ways that we can share with others and, and just pray that you change them also, Lord God, through our testimony. Lord God, thank you for who you are. Um, and thank you for allowing us to freely speak the word of God on this um, podcast and on Facebook, Lord God. And I ask this in Jesus' perfect holy name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jerry. Yeah. Um, All right, guys. Thanks for another awesome conversation. (laughs) I love getting getting to do this with you guys each week. It's so much fun. Mm. Um, This Zoom format is a lot of fun too because we really get to look at each other and uh, really feel like it's more of a conversation in some ways because Mm. we do this. So um, for all of you watching and listening, thank you all so much for once again joining us. As always, we really hope that this is something that is enlightening and um, engaging to you guys and helping you grow in your relationship with God and understand who he is and understand who we're all called to be as his children. Um, And today, as we focused on leaving the battle up to the Lord, because it's all his battle. So um, guys, thanks. Um, 
and uh we will be back again next week um same time same place uh zooming it up on uh <laughs> facebook live and uh for the audio podcast on soundcloud and everywhere else you can get it but um guys thanks so much and um until we talk to you next week as always go out there let the light of jesus shine through you to the world let him be seen through you and um we will talk to you next week we love you guys take care be safe and we'll see you next time see y'all bye, bye.